0: It is 5.07 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharad. First up today, there soon may be designated smoking areas near eateries, specifically in crowded areas like Jalan Alo uh, and Bukit Bintang. And this came because the Health Ministry, Datuk Sri Dr. Zulkifli Ahmad, is considering the move, which aims to address challenges in maintaining a three-metre distance between smokers and non-smokers, particularly in, well, you know, busy spaces that have constraints
1: yeah so uh, of course this is uh, raised a lot kind of howls of objections of people who feel that this is a, a u-turn on the previous policy but others maybe you know it's time to consider what specific areas might need a solution like this because I think what the uh, ministry is looking at is trying to balance um, you know the their health concerns with also the fact that people do smoke and, and then what do you do with them right and in those spaces how do you be inclusive how do you kind of strike a balance between the competing needs that people have?
0: If I may just take us back uh, five years now to 2019, that was when the I don't want to say maligned, but the, the controversial and popular to some, difficult to others rule was enacted that essentially you had to have a three-meter space, about 10 feet, um, from any eateries, from any space where people were eating or where food was being prepared. So if someone wanted to smoke, even if they were in an outdoor space, like say a mamak or a kopitiam, they could no longer do it there, um, whereas before, of course, you could ashtrays would be on tables and the like. But now, instead, you would have to exit the space, make sure that you are three meters away, and then that's where you can smoke. And so I think what this is acknowledging is that in some places, like Bukit Bintang, um, where if you've been there anytime, if you've eaten at Jalan Alo any time in the last, I want to say something like 10 years, you will know that it is very difficult to have that three-meter space from any one eatery at any given time. And so I think this is just an acknowledgement that that has proven difficult. At the same time, like you rightly point out, Sharad, the needs of uh, people who don't smoke, people who are vulnerable to um, secondhand smoke, children, um, pregnant women, people with... uh, you know all sorts of breathing diff- there are all sorts of reasons for this um their needs need to, their needs have to be considered as well
1: yeah so there's um a, a tension right between uh, and you see this apparently in public policy in different countries between harm reduction and harm elimination right and so i think that many of the people who are against this current move or in, initiative or proposal as it as it is uh, are, are people are really on the harm elimination end of the of the spectrum right so the but government and when it considers all the other factors including places where there are a lot of tourists and people coming from different countries, um, you know they might be much more inclined to a harm reduction strategy that says okay we'll make some sort of compromises we'll acknowledge that some people do in fact smoke, how do we find a solution when as you rightly put it you can't cross the road to be away from the eatery because across the road literally is another
0: eatery, right? So unless you're sitting or standing in the middle of the road where do you go? I think sometimes the middle of the road isn't even three meters so you know (laughs) there are all sorts of things here Um, it's not necessarily been received uh, I think it's not necessarily been welcomed. It's a mixed bag. Former Deputy Health Minister Dr Lee Chai has called it absurd, uh, advocating instead for reinforced restrictions on public smoking. Um, public health expert Professor Dr Sharifa izzat wan sees it as a U-turn from the policy we were talking about earlier from 2018, worries about the normalisation of it. Even among restaurant associations, it's not necessarily... Um, people are for it across the board. So this is what we're talking about today. Um, Again, there may be designated smoking areas near eateries in crowded areas like Jalan Alo and Bukit Bintang soon. That's something that's being considered by the Health Ministry how do you feel about this? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 18 789 Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with Dr. Zariha Muhammad Zain, Medical Director of the Malaysian Women's Action for Tobacco Control and Health. Keep it here, BFM
1: 89.9. Build fortunes modestly. BFM 89.9.
0: It is 5.12 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. We're talking today about a, um, a proposal of sorts that's being considered by the Health Minister for Designated Smoking Areas that will be near eateries in crowded areas like Jalan Alo and Bukit Bintang, which is an acknowledgement in some ways that maintaining that three-metre distance from eateries for public smoking is difficult in some areas that are high traffic. So uh, let us know, how do you feel about this potentially happening? That number to call is 7773 Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 18 789 889 889. Tweet us at BFM Radio. On the line with us now, we have Dr Zar- Zariha Mohamad Zain, Medical Director of the Malaysian Women's Action for Tobacco Control and Health. Dr. Zariha, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So, as we know, the three-metre rule came into being uh, officially in 2019. Five years on, we are seeing the potential for designated smoking areas to be created. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the move, and have we seen real effects come from the original policy?
2: Um, Honestly, I feel rather saddened that uh, there is a uh, a consideration to have smoking areas. But having said that, I do understand the uh, the, the reason behind it. Uh, as for your second question um, about how do I see any effectiveness with the ban that was um, implemented from 2019 onwards, actually, it, we, we don't see really very much... Um, um what do you call uh significant effectiveness because after the the implementation there was the there was the uh what do you call MCO and and, mm. and we don't see that happening. And then after the MCO and everything it looks like the public is like released from a, a, a social leash and people do as they want, you know? So I I honestly don't see Uh, very, very significant difference uh, prior to 2019. But I have, even then, but I do see some uh, uh, positive, uh, what do you call, uh, positivity in in that action because there is a way towards the direction for a smoke-free Malaysia, ultimately, hopefully. Um, But there will be more uh, effort needed for... Ensuring, uh, you know, adherence by the public about not smoking in eateries and so on. So um, maybe 2024 February, uh, maybe a bit too soon. I don't know. Uh, but positively, there is some. Uh, very significantly, not yet. Uh, and the effort and the consideration of wanting to set up smoking areas. Uh, it's not it's not something that I, I rejoice you know it's not it's not making anybody well people like me happy I think because um, I mean we've not done enough to to ensure uh, why do we set up smoke free zones okay uh, I think there are three uh number one is uh, because we want to denormalize smoking okay and if if we you know put the effort and and uh, uh, the money and so on to set up smoking areas uh, that that's not really uh, a commitment towards no uh, smoke free areas. And then number two, we uh, denormalizing would be one. The second one is we want to um, we don't want exposure to to uh, secondhand smoke. To non-smokers, and not for 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 your information, non-smokers, and and I'm sure you know too that non-smokers are the majority, while smokers are, are only a minority, about less than you know, maybe about 20 or 20 something percent, and 80 percent of the population is non-smokers. And then the third one is, uh, what was the third one now? Uh, we don't want children to be um to be looking at smoking and and seeing it as something that is is all right to do, you know so if we have smoking areas, uh, it should fulfill all these three uh, all these three um, uh, what do you call objectives of uh, smoke free uh, areas that uh, tobacco control wants to 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 implement. So, yeah. Right, Dr.
1: Zaria, I mean, you you began by saying that you could have you while you were not happy, you could understand why the government was doing this and I want to explore that a bit. I mean, if we want evidence-based type policy making, yeah. is there in fact evidence to support uh, uh the assumption that there's an effectiveness in having designated smoking areas to manage uh, public health concerns?
2: Um I don't I don't see much of uh, effectiveness uh, where you where you have smoke uh, smoking areas leading to effectiveness of uh, uh, achieving uh, public health concerns because it's in contrary. It's only my 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 uh, uh, what do you call comments about understanding is the fact that there is an understanding about weighing. Uh, public health against profits, weighing uh, uh, what you call uh, concerns of uh, the health for non-smokers against uh, uh, smokers who want to have their uh, fat fixed, and then considering the harmonization of the different groups of people uh, to want to choose one against the other. But it's not uh, understanding that this action will lead to uh, a pub, you know, meeting any public health concerns. I, I don't see that because to me if you and, and if, if the, the, the government is really serious about creating uh, smoking areas there must be seriousness even more to, uh, to expand uh, smoke-free zones. In other words, if you want to have, like, I, I, I remember reading from uh, um, from the news that they mentioned Bukit Bintang and Jalan Alor, I think. But Jalan Alor, how, how long is this Jalan Alor? Is it like several kilometers? I think it's just 500, 500 meters or something like that. It's not very long. And do you need one smoking area within that short distance because beyond Jalan Alor is smoking area already. Why can't the, the people who eat at Jalan Alor just, uh, you know, be a little bit patient after they finish their meal, just walk off of Jalan Alor and smoke outside of Jalan Alor? Isn't that a, a better consideration than than putting your uh, money and, and and budget to set up uh, smoking areas for them? So. That, that's my, my argument against it.
0: A part of the three-metre rule that's been talked about quite a bit has been the challenges with enforcement, whether it's um, from authorities or, for that matter, from the employees within eateries, right? Um, could you talk us through the challenges that have been present in enforcing this existing three-metre rule and how that might be complicated in high-traffic areas that are popular with tourists like Bukit Bintang?
2: Um, Well, the three meters rule is that you can't smoke uh, within that three meters uh, border with the eateries, right? Is it so difficult to just walk out? I mean, how long does somebody actually sit down and, and take their meals? They don't spend like hours and hours unless if they... They sit there and and chat and and things. And I think that would be a bit uh, much if you want to sit and chat and smoke. So you want to sit down at eateries to eat, and then after that you leave, and and have your smoke beyond three meters uh, uh, border line. Uh, I think that's not going to be so difficult to do, isn't it? Uh, people don't don't just sit down and eat for so long. I think. Well,
1: actually, maybe in Jalanalo, they do. I mean, it's a kind of a social, uh, and this is, a, I guess, uh, the, the challenge for public policy makers, right, uh, yeah. doctor, that it, there are places where they're looking at precisely the behavior that people exhibit in these spaces and they're trying to find a yeah. solution for it. People do hang out for long Uh, many up to hours eating and drinking and and smoking, and they're trying to find a solution. So again, you know, they're looking apparently at Singapore, Japan, Hong Kong as Mm -hmm. examples where designated smoking areas, um, you know, are uh, are used, right? So do you think uh, that this is something, I mean, if you kind of think, put your kind of cultural hat on, do -hmm. you think it's appropriate for Malaysia?
2: You know, Singapore has got a lot more smoke-free areas than Malaysia. I think in Malaysia, only a, I think in the list, only twenty-three uh, areas which is designated as smoke-free, and the, the other parts of Malaysia is actually smoking. You know, so people can choose to leave the smoke uh, smoke-free areas and go to no, no smoking areas, which is in a lot more abundance. Uh, to to have their smoke. So okay, back to your issue about people who goes to Jalan Alor. Like I've mentioned before, Jalan Alor is only about 500 meters. It's not very long. I mean, unlike maybe uh, in an airport. Okay, even then, I mean, I've got my reservation. But okay, let's just look at airports. Airports, Sometimes people wait for for their for their flights for for long hours, or if their flights get delayed and and they might get their withdrawal from nicotine, the smokers. Then, so for that consideration, maybe uh, it, it's 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 uh, it's just humane, maybe for for the for the authorities to set up smoking areas. But in Jalan Alor, like uh, in, in any other places, and in eateries, for example, it, it is not something that they are forced to be there for long periods. In, the, in many instances where people sit down and then maybe they have they eat, uh, their their meals with their family and so on, and then uh, it's just no smoking area and they don't want uh, to expose their family members with the smoke. They just leave the table for a while and go somewhere else. And far, uh, three meters is not too far. And then for Jalan alone, 500 meters isn't too far, I think. Maybe half a kilometer. maybe it is. I don't know but my my, my uh, of course those are my 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 concerns but I completely understand the fact that you know the government is considering you know tourism and and you know all these economic uh, considerations when when the government insists on wanting to, to to create a smoking area they must fulfill the objectives of why uh, smoke free areas are created that means number one to make sure that non smokers are completely protected from exposure to the second hand smoke that means i think uh, that the the smoking area must be well ventilated you know uh, have walls that that make sure that you know their, their smoke don't don't fly off to somewhere else and and hit on the the non smokers and then it has got to be uh, uh to be making sure that smoking is not something that is normalized, okay that means all right, it is not normalized, you have a special place okay that's that's fine, but it has got to be seen to be uh protecting the children for from seeing smokers uh smoking in this uh, uh these places, so that means maybe you might put on you know dark uh, uh what do you call walls that is not seen from outside perhaps so I suppose if you if they have to put up the uh, smoking areas it has got to f- fulfill uh, the reasons why uh, the government is setting up no smoking areas in the first place the the objectives has got to be met despite the fact that they have the uh, a leeway for smokers to smoke in smoking areas I hope I make myself a little bit Clear in 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 uh, my uh, my you know in my expedition
0: Yes, uh, yeah, I think that your perspective is is um, very understandable, uh, Doctor Zariha We have a couple of minutes left with you. Is there a final message you'd like to leave us with?
2: Yes, I would really hope that the ministry. Uh, I mean, I have very high regards for the Minister of Health. He was the one who was uh, brave enough, put his foot down, and make sure that all eateries become smoke free. Uh, I, I have uh full uh you know expectation and and uh, regard that he will do the best uh to protect non-smokers who are the majority so having considered uh i mean he is pressured i'm sure he is pressured by by people who want to see tourists coming in but actually honestly most tourists are non-smokers and uh, Not very many, I think, uh, who, are, who, who would flounder the law and, and smoke as, as they like. So if, they want, if he insists on wanting to create non-smoking areas, which I hope he won't, uh, but if he has to, he has to make sure that uh, it fulfills all those objectives like I mentioned before. And number two, more importantly, is to expand further more places to be smoke-free areas. Because no point having smoking areas, and yet everywhere is smoke, smoke, uh, smoking areas. You know, you go out of uh, a little uh, no smoking area; is already no, uh, is already smoking area. You know, so he has to increase the expand further the 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 area covered for people who cannot smoke in those areas. No smoking areas should be expanded beyond. I mean, since. Um, since 2019, the list has has remained stagnant. I mean, there should be more places to be uh, designated as uh, smoke-free areas. Only then it makes sense that you have smoking areas, you know, because a lot of places are no, no smoking nowadays, so you can have smoking areas. But if a lot of places are actually smoking areas and only few places are no smoking areas, what's the point of having a smoking area in uh you know it's it's no it's it's quite pointless I think.
0: Doctor Zareha, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you
2: very much for having me.
0: Bye. That was Dr. Zariha Mohamed Zain, Medical Director of the Malaysian Women's Action for Tobacco Control and Health, weighing in on a potential uh, proposal, consideration that's being mulled over by the Ministry of Health, that there will be designated smoking areas um, in crowded areas like Jalan Alo and Bukit Bintang that may in fact be near eateries, whereas right now there is supposed to be that three-metre no-smoking rule. Let us know, how do you feel about this? You can call us, you can send us a voice note or WhatsApp. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio.
2: Bulldozing fine measures. BFM eighty-nine point nine The Business Station.
0: It is five thirty-eight and you're listening to the evening edition with Lynn and Sherad. Uh we started off our show today with a um It's not happening. I I always feel compelled to tell people that it's not yet happening. It is a proposal and a consideration um, that there may be designated smoking areas in crowded spaces like Jalan Alo and Bukit Bintang to accommodate high traffic. But that might end up meaning that that smoking area will not meet that three-metre gap that's supposed to exist um, from eateries to smokers. So we've been asking you for your thoughts. Uh, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 18 tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, we have lots of thoughts. Uh, let's start with this from Ron who says, Will the eateries near designated smoking areas be consulted? Their business could be impacted. And Ron, this is interesting partly because even, uh, we, we talked about this earlier, that even among... Restaurant associations, Um, there isn't consensus. Some are welcoming the move. Others think it will be harmful. So you may be right. Um, Business could be impacted, could work in a few different ways though. Yeah, but I think
1: the um, I mean, the way I see it, the logic of it would be that any designated smoking area would be um, away from but somehow constructed in a way that will not affect anybody because that's the whole point of having a designated smoking area. Well,
0: right? Anwar says, uh, and that's something that our guest spoke about earlier, um, Anwar is saying they should provide a room or a closed space for smokers to smoke so they can affect each other uh, rather than those who don't actually smoke. At least all the negative effects would circulate just among them.
1: As they do in airports, right? That's exactly the solution of airports, right? I mean, they're smoking rooms where you go in. Those are really bleak looking, but yes. Yes, yeah. I mean, they're, they're bleak looking, but because they serve a purpose, right? Yes. And I think this is the, the difference between being ideologically committed to the elimination of smoking and those public policy um, sort of. Uh, you know, People who design public policy are trying to think about a, a problem. They see evidence that people are still smoking and they're smoking in certain places. So how do you find a solution? How do you nudge them away from, uh, not so much away from their practice, because maybe that's a harder
0: thing to do, but certainly from harming others? Uh, we also have Willa who says, This may sound callous, but if you want to eat and drink, then do just that. When you are done, go somewhere else to smoke. If eateries want to please smokers, then register their establishments as a smoker zone so the rest of us can avoid these places. So I think, Willa, um, to be fair, eateries um, right now, within the current law at least, can't please smokers by by law itself. Um, as long as food is being consumed or prepared, there has to be that kind of three meter space. Um, your point though about if you want to eat and drink, then do that, and then when you're done, go somewhere else to smoke. This is something that Sharad and I were talking about earlier. That it's um, it does not match up with lepak culture. I think um, that the truth is that for some restaurants, I'm sure this is fine. That people do in fact just eat and drink and then leave. Everybody, smokers and non-smokers alike. But there are spaces in which there has, for a very long time, been a social expectation that it's okay to do both. I'm not saying that we should go back to that. Merely that that's, I think, where the behavioural shift has been tough.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's pub culture too, right? And so, again... It's not
0: just... Yeah, so it's pub pub culture. culture,
1: It's uh, mama, lepa culture. So the thing is this, right? So we've now... I mean, I think what the campaign against smoking has been very successful at doing is making smoking sound like some sort of extraordinary, um, you know, dirty habit that has no place in, uh, you know, a restaurant or around food. When in fact, I think much of human history, people have you know kind of eaten had you know consumed drinks and also smoked simultaneously they all have to do with your mouth they all have to do with pleasure and you know and so on and so forth right so if you kind of like if you don't um, if you don't sidestep that fact and you recognize that people do in fact put these three things together then how do you accommodate them?
0: sure but um, but as our guest pointed out earlier also those people are uh, or the people who do All three of those things, rather than just the eating and the drinking, are now in a minority. There's also a lot more information available about health risks. So there are different times we... We can change with said times. So some might argue, you know, we ought to or we have no choice. But I, I think it is, um, like you're saying, worth acknowledging nonetheless that there are associations. If you don't acknowledge the association, then we're acting as if it's uh, it's senseless. And, and in fact, you know, there's history behind that. Um, okay, people pointing out issues with enforcement. MP saying, Smoking areas are not, no difference. The three metre rule was implemented, no enforcement. Go to any Kopitiam or Mamak, you see the chimneys. Ho says, Malaysia is very good at erecting rules, but enforcement is poor. Even smoke-free places like hospitals have people smoking. The cigarette smell is present in staircases and even toilets
1: yeah so i i do see a shift though and i know the early days were difficult i saw a lot of conflict at the, my favorite mama down in you know in pudu area and i and and i was like oh you know and i would get i think what the the rule did though it empowered us who were un, unhappy with smokers at eateries to kind of speak up, right? We had the law suddenly backing us. I think that was great. Yes, it was always going to take time. And yes, it was going to be resistance. But I think there was a shift in terms of the, the consensus that this was a bad thing. I actually don't see as much smoking in many places today that you know, I grew up so taking for granted that smokers would be there and smoke would be in the air. So uh,
0: things have shifted, I think. Just to close off, Jimmy says, rather than smoke re-zones, I would much prefer to have designated smoking zones and have all public places non-smoking. Plus, we solve uh, pollution and... Uh, pollution issues both in terms of littering and air pollution with a dedicated spot which is something that our guest uh, Dr. Zariha was also advocating for and uh, Anon says I'm a former smoker but I can no longer tolerate smoke on any level. In fact after having kicked the habit I realised how my right to smoke actually irritated others and I really regretted my selfishness and thoughtfulness In fact, I apolog- uh, and thoughtlessness. Uh, in fact I apologise to friends of mine who were non-smokers I had insisted that as friends they should love me as I was when I should have also returned the gesture By abstaining from my harmful habit when they were around. Anyway, premised on the fact that smoking is harmful to anyone's health, we should work towards elimination of smoking. This is another case of a short-sighted push for economic gain. My vote would be to phase off smoking, especially for our future generation.
1: Yeah, and you know I agree with you. I think the sentiments we all can agree with, right? But When it comes to public policy, look at the debates happening. Uh, To do the story, did some research on vaping in Singapore. Vaping is actually banned in Singapore, but. You know, the, the vaping is on the rise in Singapore, especially among young people. And so we have all these unintended consequences. And we go back to why people get onto these habits and why it's pleasurable for them, why they need it, well, you know, so, so on and so forth. And then maybe we can get to a model that's not so, so ideologically driven, but one that's uh,
0: practical and uh, effective. Keep those thoughts coming. Um, we are asking you how do you feel about the potential for designated smoking areas in high-traffic areas like, say, Bukit Bintang, that will end up being near eateries. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a um, voice note or WhatsApp, zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio.
2: Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9.
0: Fm 89.9, it is 5.51 and that was the Hollies with the air that I breathe. Ironic because, of course, you're listening to uh, the evening edition. Perfectly with, timed. That's yes, what it is. With, <laughs> with Lynn and Gerard. And we are talking in some ways about the air that we breathe because designated smoking areas may soon be erected um, and Oh, it's being considered. It's being considered. Um, and because they'll be in high traffic areas, they are going to kind of eat into that three-metre space that has been mooted uh, and been in place since 2018-2019. So we're asking you how you feel about this. If you're trying to picture it, I think uh, the best place to kind of imagine it is somewhere like a Jalan Alo or Bukit Bintang because that's where this conversation originated. Uh, you can call us, 7773 Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789. 8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. To start us off on the side, we've got a voice note from Roberto.
3: Why the government doesn't analyze, first of all, before any measure, analyze the areas that need a particular measure. Then come out with that decision. I believe that if they install these kind of cabins, closed sealed cabins for people who smoke, it's going to be a solution. And if you think about it, those cabins can be even used to remind smokers the consequences of smoking with some uh, uh, announcements reminding them about all the consequences like cancer, lung cancer, throat cancer, and all the stuff. I think it could be even better for, for the government and. You can get rid of all the cigarette butts also that cause another consequence for pollution and et cetera. I mean, I don't know. Those cabins look like the ones that are installed in the airports. Sound like an idea, perfect solution.
0: Roberto, thank you for that. Um, Yeah, I I think this is something we were talking about earlier, that enclosed smoking spaces, uh, and we've all seen them in places like airports. I think I've also seen them in Japan, I want to say, sort of cubes that just sit on the street that you see people walking in and out of smelling like smoke. Um, That would be a solution because it's enclosed, I think, is the key thing.
1: Yeah, and Roberto, you're saying that, that the cubicle protects non-smokers. it also there to educate uh, smokers. And uh, the way you've imagined it, I think of it more like a torture chamber in which people will be bombarded with anti-smoking messages even as they smoke. Uh, uh, <laughs> you think that this is going to lead them to stop smoking. But, you know, I wonder about that. I mean, I think the the battle against, you know, all kinds of addiction because, you know... Uh, uh, and pleasures uh, is a long one but uh, governments well, are determined to engage in it
0: yeah but we were talking about this earlier as well right that some we've been framing this conversation in through the lens of how to protect the rights of non-smokers um, while also acknowledging that people who smoke may continue to do so but the other way of looking at it because of course I remember having this discussion back in uh, 2018 2019 on air about this very thing and another, thing about it was actually in the effort to encourage smoking cessation, that this was supposed to be seen as a tool of inconvenience. That if you couldn't just sit and light up after a meal, that if in fact you had to get up and walk out, if this was a continuous action, if you're a chain smoker and you have to do this every five minutes, that if if it doesn't encourage you to stop, um, it may at least encourage you to smoke less and then eventually less and less and less. And so I, I think that that's just something I wanted to bring up, that there is something to be said about the power of inconvenience, not just the um, photos of babies and lungs that we see on um, on cigarette boxes. Our
1: feet too, with. Um Yes, with, with digits missing. I, I do think, though, you know, people do get tired. Advocates, public health advocates, do get some of them do get tired of the the idea that you need to educate people. So, and that's why I think the Generation Endgame got became so popular because it was like, oh, we can eliminate having to do public education. You know, for entire generation, we just have to ban everything. And you know, I, I, well, I'm not a smoker. I'm completely against it. And I, I think that the.
0: We need practical solutions, not ideologically driven ones. Uh, Azimi says, having visited Spain recently, smoking in public isn't illegal, including in restaurants. So it is really uncomfortable being a recipient of secondhand smoking. And I welcome all efforts to curb smoking in public. But enforcement needs to also be actively implemented. This is interesting because um, while we were preparing for the show, we were looking up countries, especially our neighbours, that have actually banned smoking or in some cases banned e-cigarettes, vaping, what have you. And uh, Singapore is an example, not of having banned smoking entirely, but certainly of there being a lot of smoke-free spaces. Um, Actually, thinking about it, I was in Thailand last year and it felt very much the same, at least in Bangkok, that there wasn't... I certainly didn't notice as much smoking um, in public as opposed to somewhere like, say, the United States, where you might be walking for blocks and blocks behind someone who's smoking.
1: Yeah, I think that our guest put it perfectly, which is a basic, the idea is that in some countries, it's, you take for granted, you take for granted that, you know, the country is smoke free, uh, except in those places where you uh, smoking is allowed, as opposed to you take for granted that everywhere is a smoke, uh, is smoking enabled. And then there are only these few spaces that are smoke free. So whether you can flip that around. Um, yeah, that, that's a challenge, I think.
0: Keep those thoughts coming. Uh, We're asking you how you feel about this potential move um, for there to be designated smoking areas that might end up being near eateries in high traffic areas. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018 789 8899. You can tweet us at BFM Radio. After the six o'clock news today, it is uh, going to be about malls, shopping malls, because someone actually visited all 175 malls in the Greater Klang Valley area and ranked them from best to worst. So we're going to be asking you, what is your favourite and least favourite mall and why? Again, you know the numbers. You can call 7733 2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018 and tweet us at BFM Radio.